welcome back aboard the USS the the Space Show Show. Yay. I I am your host, uh, Lieutenant Rebecca Frost, and I am a wee baby novice who doesn't know anything about Star Trek. And so, me and some fellow friends are watching Star Trek: The Original Series, and I'm joined by regular uh, Admiral Space Show fan Carrie Jackson. Hi. <laughs> and today we have a guest in Lee oh, George this Cade. Is, this is wonderful. I'm Lieutenant. He, Lieutenant. He heard yeah, we from... were doing. He heard we were doing season three, and he couldn't wait. It's the best season. It's okay. Well, then I'm very excited to talk about it, because today we're going to be talking about the first episodes from season three, Spock's Brain, The Enterprise Incident, The Paradise Syndrome, and The Children Shall Lead, and Is There, in Truth, No Beauty? All of them duds. I'm going (laughs) to just... Say that right out the gates. No, that, I disagree uh, with you on one. There's a reason why it's my favorite season. Because they're all duds? Because <laughs> it's just, there's like, you can tell, you can tell that the uh, showrunner was just fed up with Roddenberry and was just letting anything get through. Mm-hmm. And there's some good philosophical episodes, but man, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's it's like the camembert was left out on the on the counter for a week, and we're expecting <laughs> to eat it. Well, let's just dive right in and talk about the first episode of season three, Spock's brain. The crew of the Enterprise perceives a mysterious woman who has abducted Spock's brain. What? Tell me, tell me your thoughts about this. Tell me your thoughts about this episode. I got my remote control Spock in the room here. I'm, Your I'm RC walking, Spock controller. I'm walking him. I'm walking him around right now. Uh, <laughs> it's you know those big '60s ideas. Like, what if there was a society of all women that picked on men? Oh, they needed the brain as their um as their controller. <laughs> I I literally Googled why did they take Spock's brain <laughs> because I couldn't quite understand what it was they were doing and google said they are using his brain as a utilities regulator yeah so they they were lacking infrastructure they, they seem to have plenty of it they needed urban planning via spock's brain <laughs> now, uh, he was his brain was supposed to run the equipment and help them survive underground away he from the men who were up up on up up above ground uh and uh they were cavemen up there Page boy were, cavemen because of the yes. haircuts. <laughs> and and my favorite lines that the cavemen said is when they refer to the women who live underground, they are the bringers of, of what is it, delight and pain or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's terrible. a 70s marriage if I've ever heard of one. So terrible. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I love Nimoy I, walking around with his fake brain in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I have also, it's a kind of... I've reached a point in my the original series fandom where now everything I'm seeing is um, gay. Like they've made everything gay, and so I just everyone's gay for each other, and that's how I'm seeing the show through this lens now. And so, like, there's a moment where McCoy describes Spock as um, having an incredible Vulcan physique. Love to well, hear it. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, I also really like Scotty's new hairstyle, how he's got it slicked back instead of just to the side. Yeah, I think he looks more, yeah. I think and, he uh, looks cool as hell. 
in Shatner's I... memoirs, he calls it one of the worst ever made. And supposedly mm -hmm. Leonard Nimoy uh, was embarrassed throughout the entirety of the filming of this episode. Like, As... nothing to do with it. Yeah, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I think it was yeah. a terrible episode. You guys are right. I don't know what I was expecting. I The whole time I was like Michael Bluth opening that paper bag with a dead bird in it. And I was like, well, I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> this is a, a pretty bad episode. Well, Still I just love the worst. I just love with with all the technology that we have that McCoy builds a essentially it's like an Xbox controller, but it has like one button on it or something, and it, and it, and when Spock turns, he clicks for some reason. Yeah, or the, or, or, or the remote is clicking. Because of the I, gears, he's being controlled with the equivalent of the Logitech controller used to control the. Uh, the titan as it uh, -huh. uh was going to visit the titanic yep exactly exactly and of course we get this fabulous line of dialogue brain and brain what is brain <laughs> brain brain <laughs> i did love her i thought she was phenomenal i loved her every second she was on screen well it was it was great because she was stupid and then suddenly she was smart you know and, and she was the... smart in her own way like there's a reason that their society has still survived right like mm -hmm. she's smart to, like she just doesn't have the same word for brain as everybody else well and then they'd get that big hair dryer those old 60s hair dryers That's that uh, exactly you... how i described it in my notes <laughs> clear plastic what it was clear plastic with the spikes coming up off of it and that makes you smart that gives you the yeah. wisdom to... <laughs> Of the ancient, it gives you the wisdom of the ancients. And um, uh -huh. McCoy, McCoy risking his life to save Spock. Can I get oh, no. a what? Who knows what it could do to my mind? I don't know. Ah. This episode <laughs> is so bad that I would. How stop. bad is it? Oh, yeah, it's so bad that five year old Lee, who would stop dead still in his tracks anytime Star Trek was on and just watch it, usually walked away after he figured out Spock's brain was on. Yeah, exactly. You'd go, oh, it's Spock's brain. We're not watching Spock's today. Brain. I'll go. Time to go. I'll go outside go. and play. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lee um, already mentioned one of the bits of trivia I had about how William Shatner referred to this episode as one of the worst, and that Leonard Nimoy was embarrassed. But the other piece of trivia I have was this was written by Lee air quotes Lee Cronin, which is the pseudonym of Gene Alcoon. Oh. And some have assumed that it was because he was unhappy with the results, but actually it was because he had left Paramount and was under contract with Universal, so he was not supposed to be working for Paramount as well. So mm. he didn't Alan Smithy himself. He Oh. No. Right. This this was all paperwork related, not embarrassment yeah. related. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he should reconsider that embarrassment. Okay, well now see <laughs> Lee just said, this is not the worst episode. I can't wait to hear. Eventually. Don't, until we get there, don't, don't say. No, mom's the word. You have to experience Turnabout Intruder for yourself. Oh, oh <laughs> that's the last one. You mean oh. the very last episode? And see, and I yeah. don't think it's, I don't think it's the worst one. Oh, it's terrible. But I don't think it's the worst one. <laughs> I think the worst one is coming up in this episode. Oh, and the, oh. It oh, might be. It might be. Oh, Let's go. I think you're right. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Um, because hmm. I well, know how Rebecca say, feels about children, but I should. Say oh my God! I listen. I have prepared everything for this up for this episode. I have absolutely forgotten about and the children shall lead. Okay. Well, but let's get to the good one of these five. The Enterprise incident. 
Let me pull up the thing. And, and apparently insane Captain Kirk has the Enterprise deliberately enter the Romulan neutral zone where the ship is immediately captured by the enemy. I was so frustrated with our friend Captain Kirk. Oh, he's frustrating. That, yeah. And he, he was purposely frustrating to everyone, him and Spock, for the, the first yeah. half of this episode. My very first note is this is not very Starfleet Kirk because he's not acting very Starfleet. Oh, exactly. Prime directive's, Prime directive's thrown right out the window this season, though. I mean, you've got the. Oh my God! Uh, yes. Yeah, there's so much. Uh, well, let's just uh, let's just poke the bear and see what happens. <laughs> um, this is our last appearance of the Romulans, and the Romulan that we first see. Um, I I really wish that in an upcoming something or other we can we can see Ben Stiller as a Romulan because this guy was giving me big Ben Stiller vibes and I feel like yeah, Ben Stiller sure. would be like down oh, because he, he loves Star Trek. Star Trek. Oh yeah. yeah, he would. He would. Yeah. Uh, and this is my Ben Stiller as a Romulan action figure right here. So. <laughs> I, With the, his uh, Hawkman helmet. The the Romulan commander that uh, Spock has the hots for in this is like one of my first loves as a little kid. Really. Oh, I loved her. The Lady I, Romulan? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's who, like, whoa. Who, who doesn't have a name in the entire no. episode. Just Romulan it's, Commander. It's it's uh, Sub-Commander. <laughs> well, and this is lady. also the the first episode to feature a female Starship Commander. Uh, Bummer we never learn her name. Yeah. <laughs> we found out later in some uh, books or comic books, they did give her a name, but... Yeah, in this episode, they certainly should have. And and, uh, it's, and it's inexcusable because this episode was written by a woman, as I recall. Sigh. Yeah. Sigh. Sigh. Um, literally, all of my notes for this episode are, what are you doing? What were you expecting? We shouldn't even be here today. Like, why are you lying? <laughs> it's just so... That's why I didn't like this episode, because I was so confused just throughout the whole episode until we find out, you know, towards the end that, oh, this is a very, very secret Starfleet mission. Mm -hmm. And my last note is, I don't like this subterfuge! <laughs> this is why Section 31 was, should have stepped in and, and did this. But they couldn't have done it the way that, you know, Kirk... Yeah, get Gary Seven in here! <laughs> Somebody. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I always loved this episode when I was a kid. I thought it was terrific because, I, you, you know, you, you got the bait and the switch. Because I was angry, too, the first time I saw it. I was like, Jim, was, what are you doing? You it know? was five. It was a yeah. tough time for him. <laughs> Jim, That's what not very soft, we tell you. And then it's, Spock, why are you doing that to Jim? I know he's acting erratic, but good heavens. And then oh, the... Oh, and Mom, then I'm the, very upset now. I need more cereal. But then <laughs> I spilled my cereal with the Vulcan death grip. The fake Vulcan death grip. But I didn't know it was fake because they, they would casually release information about the Vulcans as you went on the show. You know, we didn't as have a book. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have a book of what they do and what they don't do. But and it looked pretty cool, the Vulcan death grip, you know. Just like right on his face. And he went and he went to you know, and it was like, ah, and he grabbed his hand and just went right down, you know, and you were like convinced because McCoy declared him dead. You know <laughs> Yeah, I uh, McCoy, I don't make house calls, by the way. Best best McCoy line of the episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> um I also don't I maybe I just can't wrap my head around it. But using Spock as the seducer 
of the of the crew trying to seduce the the Romulan commander. Um, just put him in a red sparkly dress and <laughs> let him sashay onto the ship. Well, I, I think that it was Spock because you know it was the whole belief because Romulans and Vulcans are close related. It's the whole belief that Vulcans never lie or bluff or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so maybe that was a oh well, he's a Vulcan. Clearly, this can't be subterfuge, right? Mm-hmm. So I uh, I do have a note. Imagine what a Vulcan human Romulan baby would be like. Because mm. if. Spock hooked up with the commander. We'd have a a, oh, a, I'm, a very I'm, mixed well, they baby. Hooked, they hooked up. They hooked up all right. Did they? I think so. I like to think so. I like to think he. I feel like they just did a lot of talking. <laughs> you only saw him from the waist up. There was a lot of the, there was a lot of this. There oh. was a lot of the finger touching. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Which, quite, which apparently as... was. Not quite as sensual as Ferengi ear massage, but... Which, well, apparently the finger touching was at Nimoy's insistence. Uh, to, show, to show affection between a human and a Vulcan. Uh, well, Vulcan or Romulan. Uh, because it was uh, the original parts of the script. I guess Roddenberry put it in there. He kisses her passionately on the shoulders many times. And, well, it, and... was, it was when we meet Spock's parents for the first time. Yeah. And they do that thing. They do the, mm-hmm. the finger touching thing. But uh, he's, he says, I just don't think that Spock would be that, you know, upfront with his seduction. I think it would be more foreplay-ish and really just get Romulan lady all hot. and Coquettish. Yeah, mm-hmm. coquettish. There you go. Thank you. Um, but really, you know, we learn that the whole thing after... <laughs> Jesus Christ, this episode. After McCoy makes Kirk look like a Romulan so Kirk can get back on the ship to mm-hmm. steal what it is that they were initially trying to steal, which was a, a cloaking device, which is just a reused... I don't know if you remember the episode, The Changeling with Nomad. It's yeah. just that without mm-hmm. the antennas. And, and, so, and, parts of, and parts of the thing from Spock's brain, too. Like the next yeah. episode, they're reusing the props. <laughs> I mean, it was like that. I mean, honestly, I love to see it because that's how I like to live my own life. I don't like to waste anything um the last one of the last notes i have is i bet i would like whatever cologne scotty wears i think it's something <laughs> with his new hairstyle that's really like it's it's scotch i'm afraid it's set that <laughs> it's just scotch <laughs> it's scotch and pipe tobacco and this and this is my f- favorite part of the episode because it happens several times where you get the, the the shots of the ship surrounding the enterprise and you get dun 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 <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Scotty has some of this Virginia Flake tobacco, and he just Ooh. rubs it on his neck every day. Lee, what are you doing with that? Why is that in your house? I a uh, tobacco fairy. I don't know. <laughs> he likes the smell. You put a yeah. cigarette under your pillow, and the tobacco fairy well, comes. <laughs> it's got to be broken. It's got to be broken. Yeah. No, I I enjoy a pipe on Friday nights. Sure. Yeah. Uh, this is no. I like this episode. I I uh, I it's do like fine. this one. Yeah, I liked, I liked Lady Romulan Commander. I liked her a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now the rest of these three are stinkers. Oh. <sighs> well, uh, the well. Paradise Syndrome. Trapped oh. on a planet whose inhabitants are descended from Northwestern Native Americans, Kirk loses his memory and is proclaimed a god. While the crippled Enterprise races back to the planet before it is destroyed by an asteroid. <gasps> 
Is they this spent... one where they call him Kirok? Kirok. Yes. That's his, that's his name. <laughs> because he fell, he fell into the the obelisk into yeah. the base into the basement of the obelisk. Which, yeah. by the way, the obelisk they spent their entire budget for the season on this it's obelisk. Good looking obelisk. It's good looking. Because <laughs> it's, it's good got looking a, it's, it's, yeah. it's got the trap door and everything, and it's uh, very shiny. So he falls into it, and the obelisk erases his memory. Uh, well, because he stands up and he's pushing a bunch of buttons, he's not paying attention to how he's pulling himself up. Well, and he and he says, uh, uh, "Kirk to Enterprise, come in," and that and that codes the thing, and the door opens up, and he falls in, and then it closes after him, and it erases his brain. Man. And 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 McCoy and Scotty are like, or not Scotty, McCoy and, and Spock are like, "Well, we got to find the captain." Well, we can't because we're here to uh, find a way to deflect this because it's an asteroid traveling through space yeah and we, we got to find a way to deflect the asteroid just enough so that uh, it doesn't get hit uh, the asteroid that's headed this for this goes against starfleet protocol i'm afraid to say it is true it is interference with the, with the civilization but so he comes out from the obelisk and everyone thinks he's a god because he comes out from the obelisk and he says uh, uh, I don't know who I am. I don't know what's going on. Well, you must be a god. What's your name? Kirok? Is it Kirok? Sure. All right. <laughs> Call uh, me that, whatever you'd like. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and he is the... stranded there for weeks, months hot, almost, but like um, forever. Whatever will Kirk do? Oh, other than everyone. There's well, no internet. Listen, what does he do? I... <laughs> he's a god. He's a god, so of course he gets to marry the tribal, the chief, the chief's daughter. The chief's daughter. I'm trying to remember like the hierarchy of things. Yeah. Um, she's already betrothed to someone else, but she's like, listen, there's a god here now. I can't marry you. I gotta marry the god. Well, it was the uh, the medicine the, the medicine man, the tribe medicine. The McCoy man. of the tribe. The McCoy of yeah. the tribe, but you know. And a very jealous man, and who wouldn't be? Because here comes Shatner to steal your women. Uh, <laughs> Again. Again. All these, all these, I assume white people just wearing a ton of bronzer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's kind but, of unfortunate. But, you know, it's even really hard for a kid growing up in L.A. is uh, even at five, you start recognizing certain landmarks that they shot at, like Franklin Lake, where they shot mm -hmm. this. Uh, it's just in a reservoir above Beverly Hills, and if your parents hike a lot, you end up hiking around there. Isn't so. that the Isn't that the Mayberry Lake? It's the That's same the spot where Opie Taylor throws a rock into the lake during the opening yeah. credits of the Andy Griffith Show. Like, yep. like if you're if you're shooting a western, if you're shooting any TV show where they go to a lake for any reason whatsoever, you literally go to Franklin Lake because it's like a five minute drive up the canyon. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's there's there's nothing to it, <laughs> nothing to it. Get to it, like. I, I swear, like anytime they do that, they're either like, uh, hey, can somebody check and see if uh, Universal's got a cowboy lot we can go to, or hey, let's go up to Franklin Lake and uh, make sure everybody's got the right amount of bronzer on, because God, for <laughs> God forbid we actually cast any brown people in this. Exactly. They have yeah. one lake, one cave, one yeah. desert. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Use them uh, all. I really like in this episode, they've shown the pa the passage of time with Kirk's sideburns. They mm -hmm. go from that that shaved pointed to just a full, like, and you can see his curly, like, yeah. his natural curls start to come in because he's got them 
thick sideburns. Oh, yeah. Um, does Kirk it grow also does not grow a beard. You're right. No. It doesn't grow a beard. <laughs> yeah. Kirk introduces them to the concept of fire and uh, teaches and irrigation um, and irrigation teaches Miramani the concept of irrigation and getting water to the lake. And she's like, you only want you only showed us this lantern so I could cook for you all the time. And he's like, no, 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 no. And it's very <laughs> cute. I truthfully think Kirk could land on any planet and be happy wherever he lands. Like he will find a woman and just be fine. Well, and, and like we said, he's attracted to ancient civilizations. He, he mm -hmm. for some reason, he just he's drawn to them. Even if it's the gangster planet, he he would <laughs> yeah. he would be okay there. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, the original script had Miramani surviving with Kirk's child, and I wish they would have kept that. I wish they would have kept just another woman out in the universe with one of Kirk's many many children. <laughs> well, and then they would do a movie where they threw that one away too because <laughs> David Marcus was really just kind of unceremoniously snuffed yeah. like, oh, we got our, we got our mean, thing out of him Let's... we uh, well I think what we need is and we need to write this uh, I think yeah. is is the uh, the meeting of all of Kirk's kids it's like <laughs> Yeah, they they meet at like a Holiday Inn in space or something, and it's like a convention. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's like Kirk, Kirk's half Ackland kid. Yeah, like, God, did that guy have half any Orion. standards at all? Yeah, yeah, half he's... Orion I get, but half Ackland. <laughs> he's got like three half Orion kids. And yeah. it's like a it's like a support group, you know? They all get together yeah. and go, "Listen, we're all you know." <laughs> me, I'm this sad. This is like a fantastic web series. Me, I'm, I love this. Me, I'm least hot Kirk kid. Oh, oh now. Kirk Packlid, you sit down, all right? Oh, <laughs> Kirkland, Kirkland's sad. Kirkland goes seduce Romulan now. We need we need to hear now from Kirk Mugatu. Kirk Mugatu, where are you? Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right. Uh, Carrie, you don't have any toys from this episode? Uh, I have a phaser. <laughs> okay. All righty. Oh, no, I have this because we have to check to see if Kirk's brain is okay. There we go. There we go. I, I, brain I, is have fine. A, I have a scale replica of the obelisk in my backyard, but I can't really can get the camera back there very kind well. Kind of hard to so, do, yeah. I yeah. appreciate that, though. What do you think they did with it after? Is it just, like, on a lot somewhere? I bet I it got they, tore down. I've never they, seen it in any... All this stuff gets torn down. That's yeah, a like, bummer. I, yeah. I don't ever remember ever seeing it, like, you know, on any of those uh, prop shows or anything like that. I'll bet it got destroyed. That's why I was so happy after season three of Picard because they said they actually took the the next gen bridge and stored it, but they mm -hmm. only had they only had like sixteen hours to shoot on it because of how precious lot time is. But yeah, all those all those things are just ripped apart and recycled. Well, I, also, at the time, the show was seen as as sort of a failure anyway. So it would be like, who would want to keep this stuff? You know, by season three, yeah, because they kept screwing around with the time slot. Exactly. Well, well and like of, yeah. the show itself was canceled. So you know, back. yeah, yeah. So. Well, moving on to a fabulous episode, and the children shall lead. <laughs> the Enterprise reaches a Federation colony where the adults have all killed themselves, but the children play without care. I watch this episode with these kids. You would too. <laughs> these yeah. kids yeah. are the most annoying kids. I would like to lead with this piece of 
trivia, Leonard Thanks. Nimoy explained that when he complained about the script to Fred Freiberger, Freiberger said, this script is going to be what Mary should have been, if you remember season one episode Mary with all the children. Yes. Um, Nimoy was, objected. Go ahead. Uh, he objected, calling Mary a beautiful, well-acted story, and felt that Freiberger's comments were as much as saying Mary was a piece of trash. Because Mary is certainly a better episode than this one. Yes. It, wa watching And the Children Shall Eat and then comparing it to Mary. Mary is 1,000% a better episode. Mm -hmm. It's like the director told the kids, act in a way that, wants, that would make everyone who ever watches this throughout all time and eternity want to murder each and every one of you. Mm-hmm. That, that was like the direction. Yeah. Literally just this thing with the hand. Da, 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 da. Oh. Um, something I noticed with this episode that I think I had also noticed in the previous couple of episodes, um, a lot of like mise-en-scene openings, which is just like the story is already happening and you just, as the audience, get dumped right in the middle. Like these guys are on, like we have not been given any insight as to why they're there on this planet. They are just there on this planet and suddenly they find, you know, the one guy who is on his like last legs, but you know, and then they find all of these deceased people and then the kids come out and then can I, can I get a little bit of in information, please, Fred, just a little <laughs> bit of knowledge about what's going on here so I can care. Now, see, you said that the parents killed themselves. I prefer to think that the kids killed the parents. That makes it more yeah. interesting for me. <laughs> well, I um, see, I don't know, because especially with the way you see Kirk growing like more and more like anxious and agitated, like I don't see these kids killing these adults. I think I see these people ultimately killing themselves, but that's just me. All right. It's um, a terrible episode, though. It's really bad. <laughs> I like bad. that in the future, we're still singing Ring Around the Rosie. Mm -hmm. No, no right. new songs. We haven't had a new plague since, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, some uh, classics never die. It's like uh, the Beatles' White Album. You know, it'll always right. be. Ring Around the Rosie will just be there forever. <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the Star Trek obsession with, with abandoned children with godlike powers, though? Because um, hmm. it's, it's a recurring theme, and it's no Captain Picard Day. Which is also another terrible episode. <laughs> maybe true. just don't have children on Star Trek. Maybe. Ooh. ooh. I mean. I mean. I mean. You know. And the kids, at one oh. point, you know, they find a Ouija board. Yeah. And <laughs> summon the true villain of the episode, a who was Belli. I, who I guess was a lawyer before this. Yes. Melvin Belli. He is a reasonably famous lawyer. And why him for this part? I can't find any answers to. Well, Walter Canning considered this to be the worst episode of the series. While he felt that the episode was very poor overall, his biggest complaint was the casting of Melvin Belly as Gorgon, firstly because it severely undermined the main villain, and secondly mm -hmm. because he considered it an act of stunt casting which had robbed professional actors from a potential job. He is not wrong, Chekhov. You are not wrong. Also, one of Marvin Belly or Melvin Belly's kids was one of the... The annoying kids. Couldn't tell you which one. Not Stevie. the most Annoy annoying one. <laughs> the the ginger. I, I would say, really, the, the saving grace, though, is that there wasn't a teenager that they had a really kind of problematic 
potential love interest storyline going on like they did with Mary. Because that was creepy. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But she was, she was 300 years old, though, Lee. Uh, so it was okay. Yes, no, I'm, I'm actually talking about the fact that, you know, Kirk was so much younger than her. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't evolved with older women, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Melvin Belli in this is so, I mean, there's so many reasons that this is such an awful episode, but he is key to it to me. He He is the one who makes this really bad because just not an actor at all and you need somebody in that villain role to scare you a bit and i wasn't and again why why what's this guy's plan Mm -hmm. can't to take over people uh, he said we're gonna we're gonna go to another planet and take over that planet and then spread throughout the galaxy and then i will be in charge and you'll you'll get to play all you want and and everything will be great. You'll get to watch TV and eat cereal. And uh... do, do you think he's <laughs> as bad as Otto Preminger's Mister Freeze? Ah, uh, he is worse. Otto Preminger's pretty bad as Mister Freeze. <laughs> I, you got me there, yes. But he is, in fact, worse than Otto Preminger. <laughs> I was just, I was just thinking. I'm just thinking of all these like stunt casting because Preminger's not an actor. He's a now, director. If I'd, have, if I'd have known you were going to invoke him, I would have brought out my action <laughs> figure because I have one. Yeah, yeah no action figures for and the children shall lead carry i got a phaser that's all okay <laughs> uh some fantastic shacting in this one when he starts to like just absolutely go bonkers in the l ele- in the lift elevator um <laughs> and also is this episode just a metaphor for how children take over people's lives they do ruin everything don't they it's it's the <laughs> ultimate kids these days episode kids these days <laughs> Uh, oh. McCoy does come through with, <laughs> because McCoy loves and absolutely revels at the sight of crying children. So, because <laughs> once the children finally come to grips with like what they've done and what has happened and they start crying and McCoy walks in, they're crying, Jim. I don't know how it happened, but it's good to see. Well, and he, and he remarked twice through the episode saying, why aren't these kids crying? They need to start crying. <laughs> McCoy just wants to see children in pain. And earlier, too, I have a note about how, you know, Kirk's like, okay, kids, go with Dr. McCoy and beam aboard our ship. And I'm like, yeah, kids, go with the grumpiest man alive. I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah, everything will be good. Uh, This, you know, we're talking about how we never saw the obelisk again from that last episode. Uh, You notice the outfit that Melvin Belli is wearing. We did see it again in an episode of The Simpsons when Homer decides he's just going to gain weight and wears a muumuu. It's the same outfit. Oh, he's wearing the Simpsons muumuu. Same one. It's it's the one that Melvin Belli wore in this episode. Well, speaking of just like beautiful things, is there in truth no beauty lovely telepath Miranda is aid to ambassador Kolos in a box to stop insanity when humans see Medusans she rejects Larry a designer of Enterprise and senses murderous intent nearby mm-hmm. and we have the return of Diana Muldar but it's, you, you can tell she's a different person because she's got a dark wig on that's right <laughs> she showed up and my first reaction was ma'am Please stop showing up in Star Trek. Oh, well, this we was were like saying her... that in the '80s too. Yeah, because <laughs> this is like what her second appearance in the it's original her series. Second appearance in the original series, and then she but comes back as Doctor. <laughs> yeah, and then she comes back <laughs> as Doctor Pulaski in Next Gen, right? 
in which they use her hair to reassemble her body in the transporter uh, transporter matrix. That is absolutely true. Um, I've got I've got to do a shout out to our listeners who the last time we talked about um, Dr. Polsaki, there's a lot of Dr. Polsaki fans out there, and I respect your opinions. And you're allowed with you for calling her Polsaki instead of Pulaski. Yeah, instead of Pulaski, Pulaski. you're going to get hate mail now. No. Put it in fans. the comments down below. Get in the um, comments, everybody. Pulas- pul- no. Pulsaki, Pulaski. It's Pulaski. <laughs> Listen, I'm a fake gamer girl, okay? I'm a fake Star <laughs> Trek fan. All three of us are fake gamer girls. It's That's all right. right. Uh, but uh, she's in the 60s and 70s. She's so beautiful. I do really love is. looking yeah. at her. I oh, just yeah. wish she would talk with her mouth more because she always just keeps it so so tight that was your your complaint about her last time you're not wrong yeah through everything i enjoy listening to her recently talking about her experiences on star trek she's very salty about it but oh really i did it because it was the only way to show especially around next gen time she wanted to show a mature woman in a position of power within a military and uh she's like okay and, and and did they go with that? No, men. No, no. She <laughs> so, she fell down an elevator shaft. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much. I do like the roles that she does take in like original series and next gen. Like they yeah. are, they're not just casual howdy duty women, right? Like in the last episode she's in, she's what is she a biologist? Like she has an actual yes. like right, like she's a, ranks fairly high in Starfleet. And and, she, and that was the one where she was possessed by the the where Kirk and and her were taken over by the alien. Yes. Uh, yeah. And Spock right. was leaning against D- George Ams. Right. <laughs> he was he was casual Spock. That's right. He was very casual. But then also uh, in this one, like she she um has studied on Vulcan. She's a telepath. Like she has a job to do. And it turns mm-hmm. out like there's a reason why she you know is traveling with the ambassador Kolos because she's actually blind and can't see them. So she can communicate telepathically with them um, and not look at them and not go insane. Cause apparently if you look at them, you go insane. But she was deceptive. She didn't let us know that she was blind. It was because of her special outfit that she, and why didn't Jordy have that special outfit? But anyway, uh, Jordy does have a special outfit. It's all in his glasses. <laughs> but now the Medusans, this is for you folks who really should go and watch Star Trek discovery. Uh, one of the main characters is a Medusan, and it, it, they built it. it you you can see in the window that there's this little gas kind of a thing floating, uh, but it's like this round robot body kind of a situation that they built around this Medusan, and and so this Medusan is able to it has robot arms and robot legs and is able to walk around on its own and and it's uh, it's part of Star Trek Prodigy. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um... I do, Carrie, I wish you had the glasses, the special I glasses wish. that one had to wear when looking at a Medusin. Uh-huh. Because those were sick as hell. Yeah, which uh, were the same glasses I believe he wore when he went blind, remember? Mm, I don't remember. I think they're the same prop glasses. I could be. So, sadly, I mean, anyway. I wish yes. you had those too, but they the closest... <laughs> The closest we got to that when it came to uh, Star Trek merchandise when we were kids was was this. Um, <laughs> that, uh, I mean, this, this is the a... worst. 
This is the worst piece of Star yeah. Trek merchandise ever, Rebecca. This, but but for, the, we, for those of you listening at home, it's the official yes. Star Trek helmet, and, yep. and it's a it's helmet with a Star Trek si- space fun helmet with uh-huh. a siren and an antenna on top, and just the word Spock and yeah. a yeah. visor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Did it and do we, anything? Oh uh, yeah, the it, siren goes. The siren. Oh, cool. Yeah. This was yeah. they were slapping Star Trek on anything and selling it at the time. And yep. what was great about this helmet is because not only was it bad, but it is now canon, thanks yeah, to Star Trek Lower Decks. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of merch, anyway, here's sorry. here's a long piece of trivia. Um, although often cited by some fans as evidence of a air quotes larger message in Star Trek, the IDIC Infinite Diversity and Infinite Combinations medallion that Spock wears during the dinner scene has much baser origins. Leonard Nimoy was originally supposed to give a lengthy speech about the medallion and what it represented. Nimoy found the speech completely unsuited to the plot and refused to say the lines until he got an explanation from Gene Roddenberry, who had had the lines and the use of the medallion inserted into the script. Ron Berry came to the set and admitted to Nimoy that he was selling the IDIC medallions through his personal marketing company, Lincoln Enterprises, and inserted the scene about the IDIC purely as product placement to generate sales. Nimoy mm-hmm. ultimately refused to say the lines, and instead the scene was rewritten with Captain Kirk and other characters commenting on Spock's wearing of the medallion instead. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the idea. I like the idea behind the IDIC. I think it's beautiful. But the fact mm-hmm. that Gene was just a crass marketer about the whole thing. Was... I got to tell you, learning that, <laughs> I was devastated. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I love, love, love the message of infinite diversity and infinite combinations. I think it's so amazing and beautiful. And to learn it was just another piece of capitalism. Real, it's really devastating. Yeah, early yep. product placement. Yeah, that's that's your great bird of the galaxy. Which <laughs> yep. is really devastating. Yeah. Um, the, uh, there's a couple of moments that I want to mention. Kirk's reaction to <laughs> when Spock says that she's a telepath. Kirk has this reaction like he's never, ever heard of this before. Like, oh! <laughs> it's like so over the top and beautiful. I loved it. And then there's a minute, there's a moment where Larry, um, the person that is the designer, um, traveling with Larry Miranda. Larry designed the Enterprise. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, now he says to Miranda, because he's in love with Miranda, now I know what a mere human male has to do to get a reaction out of you. Make you think he's a patient. Great psychologist. Why don't you try being a woman for a change? And then he gets his comeuppance and dies. Because well, yeah. he sees the Medusan and goes crazy. Yeah. And then at the end, after, so Spock um, mind melds with the Medusan. A very cool, very cool idea because mm-hmm. they get, they, they go faster than warp. They, they go at 9.5 warp speed and they're, they're in a place where they don't know and they have no they're way lost. to like, na- they have no way to navigate back. But the Medusa, that's why they're talking to the Medusans in the first place because they're expert yes. navigators. Yes. And so Spock mind melds with uh, Kolos and is like, whoa, this is so dope. Um, and then fix fixes the problem, uh, but then he goes to sever the mind meld, but does he forgets his glasses? So he looks at the Medusan and Chekhov is like, no, and Kirk is like, no, <laughs> and Spock goes insane. And this is the inclusion of a fantastic use of a fisheye lens, showing us Spock's first person point of view. <laughs> I I 
that's one thing I really treasure about this show is they <laughs> like to experiment with different camera techniques. And I really, really like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the echo too, you got, you got a, dis, you, you got a disfigured looking Kirk, you know, with his stretchy arms going, squawk, squawk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> great I like uh, actually emulated that pretty well Spock, Spock. Spock. because that's literally what it was Spock. just like, we, like if the show you, was in 3d we would be astounded we're your friends Spock. <laughs> <laughs> anyway amazing um, not a great not a great episode but yeah not these, a not a total stinker you know i mean yeah these first five episodes i don't i don't know Spock's brain but uh <laughs> The Enterprise incident, annoying. Uh, <laughs> children shall lead. Children shall lead. F them, kids. I liked Paradise. watching the pair. I enjoyed watching the Paradise Syndrome because I liked how I felt of. Um, uh oh, this is not going to hold up well at all, is it? And so I enjoyed like <laughs> watching that because it's like when the white man came and gave everyone polio. Um. But that's all we really have to talk about today, unless you guys have any uh, last remarks regarding these first five episodes of season three. Uh, they're just, you know, like I said, we disagree about the Enterprise incident. Um, the uh, the Medusa episode, I think, is is okay. Uh, I still laugh about Kirok. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, if I'm outside in a in a in a storm, I'll I'll sh I'll shout out at this guy, "Hi, I'm Kirok." <laughs> It's it's these aren't the five episodes that you put on a list of hey you're thinking about checking out Star Trek. I would put the Enterprise incident on that list. Yeah, I think, really? I think the other that's me. Romulan episodes definitely the one I'd put on, especially since it overlaps with Strange New Worlds so well. Carrie likes to put on episodes where I'm like, no, absolutely not, because it's yeah. not the heart of what Star Trek is. Right. That's true. The heart that's of Star true. Trek is not lying in subterfuge to steal from the Romulans. Okay, then. Uh, the Romulan episode probably would be Balance of Terror, right? That's yeah, the one. that's that the one. That would be the one. That's the one you'd say, watch this one. Plus, you get that that's... little anti-racism message, which is always great to throw in. So, oh, yes. Unlike yes. that heavy-handed one that's on its way. <laughs> one thing I do really love about season three so far is the naming of the episodes. So next week we're going to talk about Spectre of the Gun, Day of the Dove, For the World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky, Great the Tholian Web, and Plato's Stepchildren. And we'll talk about those next week. So tune in next week where we'll uh, continue going where no man has gone before, but a lot of men have gone before. Thanks, everybody. Uh, next week is Tholian Web. I got to start practicing my Kirk floating in space. All right. Oh, I'll no. have that perfected for you by next week. <laughs> Thanks, everybody.